When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Thank goodness for the rolling fixture. That's the last time we'll have to put up with watching St Kilda in a prime time slot this year. So it was a statement performance from Richmond. A characteristic display of pressure, fast peel. It was the complete performance. But clearly this morning, the story is where are St Kilda at? Coming off the best 40 minutes they've played all year against West Coast last week, they were smashed down to earth by the champs. It was all over by half time, as was any dream that the Saints would break a premiership drought in 2021. Richmond handled the heat, they absorbed the pressure, they showed composure and made good decisions going inside 50. The Saints didn't. They kicked seven goals and lost by 86 points. At two and three with Port Adelaide in Adelaide next week, the season is fast slipping away. The blow of losing Marshall before the opening bounce was significant. However, with a midfield that boasts the names Crouch, Steele, Dunstan and Ross, there's no excuse for losing the clearances 13 to 1 and contested possessions 43-24 to in the third quarter alone. Their handful of small forwards look magnificent when the game is free-flowing and things are on their terms, like they were in the last quarter last week. But when it gets hard and they're required to get their knees dirty and apply fierce pressure to lock the ball in the forward line, they cheat forward, hoping to get an easy one out the back. Brad Hill was an AFL side who should be fighting for a top-four position he looked completely disinterested. Ten possessions, zero tackles was all that Hill could manage. They're troubling numbers for a man on $900,000 per year. Now, Ratton said post-game he won't drop Hill, but perhaps he might change his mind when he reviews the tape and has a closer look at his game. Last week, St Kilda responded to that coach, Ratton's scathing assessment where he labelled his side embarrassing for a 32-tackle display in round three against Essendon. They recorded 25 in the last quarter alone last week. It was a ferocious display that had the Eagles rattled. So, why did that pressure go missing on the big stage of Thursday night football against the reigning Premier? They laid only 20 tackles in the first half last night. Ratton was brutal again in his post-game media conference, just as he was a fortnight ago. We were beaten up, he said, and the team is at risk of falling off the face of the earth. The problem is, a coach can only publicly berate his team once or twice a year before that effect wears off. Rats has pulled the lever twice already, and it's only round five. The best teams and players are self-motivated. Alarmingly, St Kilda are not. It was as bad as it gets for St Kilda last night, a team that thought of themselves as premiership contenders. How wrong they were. One three hundred seven three six seven three six, or you can send us a text 
0433 98-11-16. Let's get the phones ringing. What's wrong with the Saints, Saints fans? And Richmond fans, how happy are you? Jump on the phone and have your say. Didn't see that coming. Did not see that coming. I was there for that game live. I saw it with my own eyes, what they did against West Coast in the last 40 minutes the previous week. It had Premiership coach Adam Simpson say that they forced the Eagles to be fumbly and jumpy and they couldn't handle the heat. Well, it was pretty evident early on in that game that uh, that had gone missing once again. And if it wasn't for 10 minutes of Max King, there was no real reason to watch that. And how good is it that there's a rolling fixture where we don't have to stomach St Kilda in the prime time slots again this year? Brock is on the phone. He wants to chat about that club who's under the pump, the Saints. Brock, thanks for kicking us off. Uh, we're back again, Kano. We're What's back happening, again, mate? What is happening? Look, I heard you Monday morning go and say Hawthorne are in danger of being the next North Melbourne. Mate, what are these graders, mate? At risk of being the next North Melbourne, we're at risk of being the same old bloody St Kilda, and I'm sick of it. Yeah, you got well, guys but... like you got guys like Billings that people are going on about saying how good he is, can't step up in a big game. That's just a joke, mate. I've had an absolute gutful of it, and as you said, we shouldn't be. We should be playing Sunday afternoons at four forty at best. We are bloody rabble, and I'm yep. sick of it. And our supporters have had enough of it, and it's time to put a line in the sand, and we'll stop showing up. We'll whip through a lot of your calls because a lot of people want to have their say, but you're right. Give them the early Sunday slot. Give them the Sunday graveyard shift, the twilight game, because that's all they deserve. And it's it's fortunate because on the back of last year in the footy they played, had the fixture been locked in for 22 weeks, Saints would have got, you know, five Friday nights, a couple of Thursday nights, a few Saturday nights. Well, thank goodness for the rolling fixture. Perhaps the only good thing to come out of the pandemic. Mark's in South Melbourne. Your thoughts, Mark? G'day, young man. I don't know where to start, but let's start with recruiting and the money that you spent on C-graders that you think that can suck your supporters in to win a premiership. Brad Hill, that's one. Then you have Hanabry, hasn't even got onto the park. Then yeah. you have Zach Jones, every second week he's on holidays. Then you've put in full, like, plug hole Ruckman. I want to yeah. see youth. It's time that our president, CEO comes out and say a review. We go and get the best coaches, uh, Raph. Last night was, you can't go with three little forwards. Each week he puts the same, I am disgusted on the style of play. And Ratton just comes out and say, I want to hear the, the president come out and say, we've got to review our recruiting. Where is our youth policy? Last year was a fast because they could hide up in Brisbane and behind four walls. Now that it's back in Victoria, they're getting scrutinised like there has never been a club to be scrutinised, and we're still $17 million in debt. Mm, Good on you, Mark. I I think a lot of that and the recruiting will be a big topic this week. I guess the tease for St Kilda is that they've shown that they can do it, which is is almost worse, um, that they can be a very good side when they want to try. Last night... It looked to me that a lot of the players and a lot of the names you mentioned were disinterested, which is highly concerning at round five. Gary's in Perth. Hi, Gaz. G'day, mate. How's it going? Good, thanks. Uh, my beef is with coaches, and, and you'll, you know, the losing coach last night, 
They're all new age coaches. They all have empathy for their players. They come out and still wear hearts and all this sort of thing. And when they win, they're down on the boundary, having mm. their players, giving them hugs. But when they lose, they're still up in the box, with, you know, head in their hands, woe is me. Why aren't they down there with the players, copping the same abuse the players are getting as they walk off the ground? If they want to be recognised as men, they turn up when they lose and they turn up when they win. And, and last night, that was sitting up there, you know, woe is me. Last week it was um, uh, the, the Richmond uh, coach not going down. But when they win, they're the first of the race and to meet their players, they're on the television and everyone's happy. I just think uh, these boys want to uh, wake up and smell the coffee, mate. Thank you to you, Gary. A lot of feedback coming through on the temper text as well. Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Simon wants to have his say. Hi, Simon. Good day, Kane. How are you, mate? Your thoughts on Saints? Um, yeah, just at the start of the year, the burning question was, where's St Kilda at? Like, everyone thought they're going to make the eight, maybe win the premiership. Well, anyone that's familiar with... Where did you think they were at at the start of the year? I thought they'd be going better than... I bet for Essendon, by the way, but mm. I was interested because of Paddy Ryder, how they'd go. But, um, yeah, no, I didn't think they were going to make the eight, maybe, but, yeah, definitely not now. Well, they thought they were going to make the eight, which is the most troubling aspect of footy clubs is when they think they're in a position, but they're completely well off that. So you make all your decisions around where you sort of sit in the premiership race and you make a lot of list management decisions, a lot of salary cap decisions around that, a lot of drafting and recruiting choices at the start of the year based around where you think you are at. They are miles from where they thought they were, which is probably the most concerning thing that they didn't understand exactly where their list is at. Uh, Fred is on the line. Hi, Fred. Hey, Gal. Good, mate. Now, it starts with the coach. Why are we running out of the back line or everywhere we go is that far wide? When we turn the ball over, every other opposition plays in the centre and they just run straight through the centre and pick us off. Every time we get it, we just go as wide and as fast as we can. And here's the coach again. If he can't see that Brad Hill is the most useless player in the league, yeah, he's going to play good when we win. But I'm trying to teach your son how to play football. And this bloke has two, two or three metres on his opponent. And if there's the slightest chance someone's going to put their hand on his jumper or touch him, he stops and lets them grab it. And then, guess what? He doesn't tackle them. He just lets them go. And then when he's guarding space on defence, yeah, he'll guard space. And there's someone running to where they're going to take a mark near him. He starts running forward like he's misjudged it and puts his arms, arms up in the air and says, his own team, mate, are yelling at him. They're shaking their head. Supporters, everyone in that crowd last night was saying, why is this bloke getting a game? It's ridiculous. So there's hard men. It caters for everyone. But there's, oh, there's, there's got to be some negotiables in in footy that when it is your turn to go you you do it as as hard as you possibly can and you suffer the consequences for that that's what premiership teams are built around and that's why we can make footy complicated or we can make it simple when it's your turn to put your head over the footy and win it or lay a tackle um you have to do it and right now i'm, I'm not sure well, I'm, I'm certain Brad Hill couldn't put his hand up and say that he's doing that. And, yeah, I was I was a little bit surprised to hear Brett Ratton guarantee him a position in the side next week before he's had a look at the vision because, you know, you get a different view after you watch the game and, and you, you have a look at what he's produced. I'd be surprised if 
that take doesn't change after Brett Ratton reviews Brad Hill's game last night. He was disinterested. Certainly it looked that way on TV. Scotty's on the line. St Kilda, Scott. G'day, Kane. How you going? I'm good. That's good. Um, you remember this bloke, Cop? Yep. Where's that person now? Well, I'm not sure. Was it was it was that Brad? Did Brad call us earlier? It, so he he was good enough to call us after the Essendon game, um, Scotty, and he rang up and he put his hand up and he he owned it. And I'm not sure if his name was Brad who kicked us off this morning, but. Yeah, we laughed at him at the time when he said they had the best midfield, and he, he's looking a little bit silly, but we all make strong statements and have opinions. He was good enough to give us a call last night, but, yeah, the, the numbers would suggest they are far from being a top-four midfield in this game. Good on you, Scotty. Thanks for your thoughts, mate. Let's go to Cathy, who also wants to speak about St Kilda. G'day, Cathy. Morning, Kane. How are you? I'm well. How are you going, more importantly? Oh, it was a tough night, but the sun <laughs> came up today, Kane. The just sun always rises. Look, I'm just over hysterical supporters. Absolutely hysterical. We put up with it when we lost to Essendon, yes. Last week, oh, we were the greatest thing ever. Everyone's on board. And then we've gone down again. Yes, it's not good enough. I agree. But players don't lose their ability, Kane. They don't lose their ability. And I'm fed up with men at the football giving the commentary that they could do better. I could have kicked that. I could have handballed that. How many games of AFL have they played? And I'm going to throw something else in. And you've done it as well. Bagging Brad Hill has to stop. Because Kane, his partner, has come out and defended him on social media because of all the rubbish she's copped from so-called supporters. That's not on. That is not on. And it has to stop. I, I I appreciate your point, Kathy, and I um, I like the um, unemotional nature um, that you've taken to this. Um, but he's a highly paid footballer. He's in a high, in a in a highly scrutinised profession. Clearly, we are going to comment on his game and his performance. It is nothing personal about Brad. Nothing we have said has attacked his personality or anything personal. It is purely what he's delivering on the field, which is his job, which he's put his hand up to be. So, unfortunately, that's the game. And and supporters going to watch their team are more than allowed to share their voice and frustrations when they pay their money to go and watch their team play and invest a lot of time and money and passion and love for their club when they don't perform to expectations. So I don't think we can be critical of supporters going to the ground and supporting their team. We all know the line. We all know where that sits in terms of support and commentary. And no one this morning um, that I've spoken to has crossed that line. But, Cathy, I always appreciate your contribution to our show. We'll sneak in Tony as well. Hi, Tony. Okay. Uh, one of the problems the Saints have is with the rule changes... Last year, the back line was great at minding space, but this year, when it's more open, faster, players in the back line are having trouble being one-on-one. Players like Ben Long 
is just lost. McKenzie is lost getting one-on-one and then breaking through, and Sinclair's another one, to get it back into the forward line. They haven't changed the game plan because we just don't have any pace to play in this year's style of game. And we've only got three players because everyone else is injured. Mm. Tony, thanks for your thoughts. What's wrong with the Saints? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. We'll get through a lot of your texts on the temper text, oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. We've got Eddie, Jim, Karen and Clint all waiting, but the lines are yours. They're open for the first hour of the show for you to have your say. We'll do that on the other side of this. Putty coming up on the captain's run this morning. It's 26 minutes past 9 o'clock. If you're on SENSA in Adelaide, it's 4 minutes to 9. Let's get to the phones because they are very busy, dominated by St Kilda's performance last night. Eddie, what's your take on the performance last night? Uh, good morning, Kane. Uh, what'd you call it? Uh, I'm disgusted, mate. Like, I just can't believe like, up that type of football. Stop, start football. Like every time they get the, they, they can't run on and take teams on and find spaces. They stand around with the ball, then the ball goes back fifty. It never goes up, and the quickest way down the ground. It doesn't matter what game you're playing, the round ball, the air ball, the rugby. The sticks are in front of you. You head towards the stick. And when Richmond got the ball last night, as soon as they're inside the fifty, snap for goal. Any angle, bang straight through. Unbelievable. We don't do that. We can't even kick inside fifty. Oh, the skill After, level, yeah, the skill level's appalling at times. I, I was I was on top of the world, and I'm thinking, maybe we've got a chance against Richmond. Mate, we get no chance. We've got a team. There's nothing. Somebody said it before. We've got B-grade players everywhere. There's not an A-grade player in the security team. <sighs> um, yeah, it was a powerful performance from Richmond last night. The way that you described their game was, was just that. It was a statement that um, St Kilda just... We're taught a lesson. Uh, Karen is in East Fremantle. You want to speak about the draw, Karen? Yeah, hey, mate. No, I'm actually back in Essendon. But anyway, um, uh, yeah, I just want to... I'm a Melbourne supporter. And Richmond played last night. I understand it was the Maddie game. But the AFL also know that now Melbourne-Richmond play on Anzac Eve. Now, Mm -hmm. Anzac Eve's next Saturday night, Saturday week. We are now playing on Sunday, which gives us five days. And it's a huge game. And they will now have 10 days off. So I think the AFL needed to structure that a lot better. To me, it's way out of whack uh, to get 10 days and five days for such a big game. And they would have known in advance um, that was going to happen. Also, just another point. It's also, no one seemed to have mentioned it. It's going to be Nathan Jones' 300th game that night, which is really exciting for him. And to St Kilda supporters, hang in there. That that's a significant advantage for Richmond with that, and could they have worked that out better this round so that uh, Melbourne weren't coming off that five day break and Richmond having a ten day break? But the AFL often look after Richmond when it comes to all things fixtures. Don't you worry about that, Karen. They will make sure that they are completely looked after the Tigers, and that's been the case for a number of years. Uh, we'll get to Clint, Mark, Nick, Graham very, very shortly after the 9.30 news headlines with Meredith Gibbs. I also want to hear from the Blues fans about David Teague's comments yesterday. We're going to play them um, when he was on Gary and Tim, and he spoke about what he hoped that Carlton would deliver tomorrow night. I don't know. I don't know if I'm being hard on Teague, but I'll give you my view on that. 
And we'll also get to a big, big show. Got a number of guests coming up. Hamish McLaughlin, Brett, uh, Bet Goddard, I should say. Michael Barlow's going to have a chat. Justin Quill is a legal, uh, well, he's a lawyer, and he'll chat to us about Nick Revolt. Duncan Thompson Extensions. From concept to completion. DuncanThompson.com.au Making SEN News this hour, Pfizer boss Albert Brewer is predicting that people who have received their COVID-19 vaccination will likely need a third booster shot within a year to maintain protection against the virus. Victoria's daily COVID figures are in with no new locally acquired COVID cases in the past 24 hours from more than 14,000 tests. And it's been revealed that when Prince Philip's coffin is conveyed to the church for his funeral service, it will be taken in a specially commissioned Land Rover that the Duke himself helped design. SCN.com.au Sport, up next. Good on you, Gibbsy. St Kilda could only manage seven goals last night. They lost by 86 points. The game was over at halftime. Clint, did you watch it? What's your view on the St Kilda Footy Club? Yeah, g'day, Kono. I uh, love the show, mate. Thank you. Um, I'm a lifelong Saints fan, and I'm just disgusted by some of our supporters, mate. They're on one week, off the next week. Um, don't mind eating their own. Uh, as for Brad Hill, he's a ripper bloke. He's going through a bit of a form slump at the moment. You know, he didn't hold the club to ransom to get the deal he got. The club offered him that. It's up to the coaches and the club to, you know, bring the best out of him so he can play his best football. Yeah, he's struggling at the moment, but there needs to be more support there. Like, our supporters just, as soon as something goes bad, they're the first to, you know, to turn on their own, and it's just disgraceful. Like, you love the club, you stick by the club. That bloke that said we've got no A-graders, well, Jack Steele was All-Australian last year and placed in the Brownlow, so, you know, they're just so up and down, and, and I'm over it. If you love the club, you stick by them. Last night wasn't perfect, but, you know, like, there's still hope there. We had, you know, probably four or five players that, you know, are average standing and players at best last night. Our depth isn't as good as it could be, but, you know, you See what happens when you bring Marshall back in last week. Like we get a few players back, it's it's not as bad as everyone's making out. So we're just so you know quick to jump off, and it really frustrates me. I think a lot of supporters are the same, Clint. I, I have sympathy for the Saints fans because of the amount of pain that they've gone through and to have so much optimism about what went on last year and the form of the side and to win a final and then to go and get Crouch and your, your list looks stacked and then it appears at times that the, the well, the effort's not there and that's, that's the one thing you can't question. So I, so I look at Hawthorne and I spoke to Gary and Tim about this on Monday. They don't have anywhere near the list that St Kilda have. They don't have anywhere near the amount of A-graders or young talent or youth or draft picks or recruits that the Saints have. But they give an effort and they're well coached and you can't fault them trying. So the worst thing you can be accused of as a footballer is not giving that effort and, and, and not trying. And I know that's a strong word. At times last night, it didn't look like some St Kilda players were trying. I'm sure they thought they were when they're out there, but when they look at and review the vision and look at the tape, some of the efforts you can't really defend as much as you've tried to this morning, which which I appreciate and I love the loyalty you've got for your club, mate. Thanks for your call. Let's go to Mark. You want to speak about the footy last night, Mark? Oh, yeah, mate. How are you? Uh, pretty disappointed like most Saints fans. I think if we hang in, we will be alright. But I'm just worried we've got too many players playing for, for dollars and not the jumper. It's really disappointing. I know they're poorly out of form and how do you get it back? And another question I've got, you know, we, we're struggling in the ruck. 
we've got a kid, you know, Sam Alabacus, is sitting on the list for the last three, four years, hasn't had a crack yet. He's 210 centimetres or something. Why hasn't he had a crack? Well, I haven't seen him play. They're, they're, he mustn't be ready because they, they would play him because they, they need to. If, if they thought he was ready, they're not going to go and get a 28-year-old by the name of Paul Hunter from the Sandful in February and put him in for his debut and overlook a kid that's been on the list for three or four years developing. So he, I, I haven't seen him play, so I can't comment, but... I assure you, you know, Brendan Lade's there. He's he's as good as Ruckman that I've played with and he's as good a knowledge of, of midfields and, and ruck craft as anyone in the game. If he's not playing, it's because he's not ready. Nick's in Adelaide. A big game for the Blues tomorrow night. Nick, welcome. Yeah, uh, g'day, Kane. Hey, look, just quickly, I know you're going to post that thing on David Teague, but it's very important that you also continue the interview where he does say if we play with intent, and uh, we play our game, we can beat Port. So mm. it's not that, you know, I heard it on Dwayne's World yesterday, and I thought, well, Kane, you only heard, only heard a little bit. You should play the whole interview, and you might actually get the proper outcome of what David's trying to say. So let's have a listen to what David Teague had to say on Gary and Tim yesterday. Um, to win two and, and to stand play uh, probably one of the, the premiership fancies is uh, is exactly what we're looking forward to. And uh, look, we may not get the result. We'll, we'll we'll go out there and what we need to do is play the way we want to play, bring the right intent, and, and see where we're at. And we feel if we do play our way and and, and play with that uh, intent and and conviction that um, that we will win the game. So that's our challenge. It's just. To me, it's uninspiring, is, is what I would say. I, so where Carlton are at and where they have been at, they're not in that position anymore. So we're not talking about Carlton of the last seven years where they finished 10th, 8th, 13th, 18th, 14th, 16th, 18th, 16th and 11th. This is a team that just has no excuse but to play finals this year. You are playing at home on the big stage, the MCG. Port Adelaide have been smashed by injuries. Let's not hope... Let's, let's not hope we turn up and play. Let's not be comfortable with not getting a result. There is no option other than to win this game of football for me is what is, is the way that I'd be selling it. I, I think he gives himself an out there. And Blues fans, I'm happy for you to um, have your say because I saw a few people on social media that liked the comments, but it's just uninspiring. Tell me that we're going to win. Tell me that we expect to win. Tell me that we, if we want to compete in finals, in big games in September, that we can knock off a Port Adelaide side away from home who are banged up and we've got some players coming back in. That's what I want to hear. But I may be a little bit harsh. And Nick, you think I'm being harsh? I'm happy for Blues fans to Graham's in Ballarat. Hi, Graham. You want to speak about Collingwood and Mason Cox? Yeah, hi, Kane. Um, I'm just wondering why Mason Cox seems to get the blame and drop for Collingwood's ineffective forward line. If you you look at the figures, we've got two small forwards, Josh Thomas and Callum Brown, who have played, since the start of last year, have played 18 games and both kicked six goals. Thomas, two this year, and Brown hasn't even kicked a goal this year. um, Mason Cox has got the same stats and goals as Charlie Dixon, but... Obviously, the difference is Charlie Dixon's surrounded by good small forwards. Well, he's Nathan Buckley. Every time I hear him speak, he wants to play Darcy Cameron uh, in in the in his all, all of his post game conferences. Darcy Cameron's in good form. Darcy Cameron's ready. So you can't play all three. You can't play Grundy, Cox, and Cameron in the same forward line. It's got to the point where 
Mason hasn't put his position in the side beyond doubt. He's he's left the door open for him to be at risk with selection, and we've got a good young player coming through who they want to play. Uh, he's the one that's going to suffer from that. I, I'm okay with it. The, the only query would be that his form in the elimination final last year against the Eagles was good and, and troubled the Eagles. But I'm actually okay with them um, playing Darcy Cameron. It's good to see some younger players running around for the Pies. Josh is on the line. He wants to speak about David Teague's comments. Was I being harsh, Josh, or do you agree? Kane, mate, I agree 100% with you. I've been a Carlton member for 20 years now or whatever it's been. I love my club. But I feel like we haven't got the winning attitude. And I feel like that gives the players an out that it's kind of that, oh, if we try and we lose by two goals, it's a good effort. I'm over that. I want to come out. And if we're actually improved, I want to beat Port Adelaide. We got within, you know, we lost after the siren last year. And I know Port are a good side. But if we have improved, Port haven't won at the G since 2019. He should be saying that we don't expect anything less apart from a win. So I'm a little bit disappointed in his comments. I agree with you, mate. Thanks, mate. Yeah, I reckon he said something similar prior to round one against Richmond. I think I made a comment about that at the time. It was very similar that, you know, we, we may not get the result, but as long as we play our way, we'll be... Well, no, no, no. It's, it's more than playing your way. This is... We're ready to go. We, we expect to win and we'll be... Bitterly disappointed if if we don't win. Good on you, Josh. Uh, Chriso is in New South Wales. Brad Hill and his form. Chriso, your thoughts? Uh, g'day, Kana. I just want to say that I don't think you or any of the supporters are being overcritical of Brad Hill. Like, if you're going to sign a 900k deal, you have to take some ownership and criticism of your performance. And then to hear Brett Ratton say after the game that he won't be dropping Hill because there are other players in the same boat is alarming. The guy's on 900k he's had 10 disposals 9 of which were uncontested and made no tackles mm. and then being told straight after the game that you're not going to get dropped the next week. Like, What sort of standards does that set? Yeah, there's only so many levers a coach can pull when one of those is the public criticism of your club, then the next one is you know, you, you have selection integrity and you, you drop a big name and put a lot of people on notice, and that's it's been done before. We saw it with the Giants and Stephen Canelio last year. I was surprised watching him play closely for the first five games that Brett Ratton guaranteed him his spot in the side next week without reviewing the footage. He, he is right, though. He's, he's not the only one in poor form. A couple of those small forwards there as well struggling. But he's their big-name recruit. Um, is he fit enough? Has he prepared himself well enough? Only the club and Brad could answer that. Uh, on the surface, it appears as though he hasn't, which isn't good enough for a player of his calibre. Uh, Sam's on the line. Uh, I'm sure he wants to clap back about Richmond's draw. Hi, Sam. G'day, mate. I've got a couple good. of good points for you, if that's all right. Yep. First of all, for that Melbourne supporter before, say Richard got like a nine-day break for the next game and you carrying on about we always get looked after. We have had three six-day breaks in a row then and travel with that included, so we are due a bit of a longer break after playing that in a row. But it's funny how you always like to uh, pot Richmond and be looked after and stuff. I think you might want to have a look at your stats about Port Adelaide and Richmond versus Richmond. Over the last 25 years, I think you've played us in Adelaide 22 times and played us in Melbourne eight times. So just don't get too worried about other clubs. Just start worried about yourself being looked after as much. You're the Adelaide Sam, crazy. Sam, don't Sam you, you don't travel, mate. So so don't compare Port Adelaide's draw to Richmond. Like You've got the biggest advantage, and not just you, Collingwood, the other 
Victorian club, you've got the biggest advantage that you could ever be given. So, so don't bring up travel against an interstate club and start comparing Port Adelaide's draw to Richmond. Like, you're not going to win that one. You, they, they, you can't possibly compare them and say they've played at Adelaide against Richmond this number of times. You played one year, seven games in a row at the MCG in the lead-up to the finals. In fact, it might have been nine. So in, in terms of draw, I'm not critical of Richmond. I'm critical of the AFL because you get the biggest fixture free kick in the AFL. And good on you. Good luck to you. It's not your fault. I'd put my hand up for it as well. And, and you draw a crowd and all that. I'm more critical of the AFL. It's not a personal attack on Richmond. It's just a fact that you have a massive, massive advantage compared to the interstate clubs. That is a fact. 17 minutes to 8 to 10 o'clock. We'll get to Anouk, Ryan, Mark, Nathan and Tony on the other side of this. Yeah, extremely busy, so we'll whip through a lot of your calls right now, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. And Ook's been waiting in Perth and he agree- disagrees with my comments about the Hawks. Welcome, mate. G'day, Kano. Yep, that's right. I do disagree with those comments and I'm a bit surprised they came from you because you've normally got a left wing um sort of approach with your train of thought. So I I I I don't think that we have a B grade midfield. And I don't think we got B graders. I think we do have a handful of A graders, and um, I can rattle them off. We got Mitchell, O'Meara, Wingard, um, CJ's just burst onto the scene at the moment. We got Impey taking the game on, and you put those players in Port Adelaide, and you will be talking about a whole different thing. You will be saying to Port Adelaide, "Look at these guys. Look at these guys are gems." And retrospectively, if you put guys like Butters and Dersmer at the Hawks. You'll be saying, well, hang on a minute. These guys are just B-graders. What happened there? They, they messed up that draft. So we, here's what I think, right? I think, no, we're not well coached at the moment. We're terribly coached at the moment. We're playing boring as batshit football. And it is very frustrating for a lot of Hawks fans. And some of us, some of the players, they don't think we're in a rebuild phase. They think we're going to make the eight. They've come out on social media and said that we want to, we, we're playing for finals. Even though Clarko has said in some of his press conferences, yeah, yeah, you know, we might not see silverware this year or, you know, but we're working towards it. Internally, they, they do believe in it. Mm, okay, yeah, well, uh, I, I disagree. I think, you know, I think Mitchell is, is he's, he's nearly an A grader, but does he really influence games like the best midfielders do in the competition? Probably not. Omir is not an A grader. He's nowhere near an A grader. Um, Wingard is, is an A grader when he's playing. Apart from that, under the age of 25, who are the Hawthorne players that you're excited about? Will Day, yes. And then, I don't know, crickets for me. But I appreciate you making your point. Anouk, Hawks fans, do you agree? Do you disagree? Ryan's on the road. You want to speak about Richmond, Ryan? Okay. <laughs> hey, let me start by saying this. <clears throat> you're very good at mathematics, were you? And Melbourne is playing, well, would be playing on six tonight. I don't know where you got that 10-day break. Ryan, it was a caller to the program that mentioned it. Yeah, but you, you agreed with her as well. Okay, let, let me finish it, okay? Let me finish it, please. Okay, you agreed with her too, okay? And you did also say, uh, you know, air for look after the Richmond, blah, blah, blah. And you, you also disagree with that? Mentioned, you disagree with that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hang on, hang on. Hang on, let me finish. In 2019, you're talking about 2019, they had seven home and away games leading into the finals, played at MCG. I agree with you on that. I mean, the only reason that happened was because they played, go and have a look at the picture, Mike. They played all the away games in the front end of the season. 
Who, whose fault is it? The AFL mugged it up. Okay? And you went on to say nine games. Well, they, were, they, they played the preliminary finals, or obviously, qualifying finals. They won the game. So, where are they going to play the next game? At MCG. They won the prelim. So, where are they going to play the next game? Of course, it will be MCG. Okay? So, my, everybody knows your hatred against Richmond. You, you try to take all sorts of... You're talking about mathematics here. You're talking about mathematics here. The, the year that you're speaking of, when we're speaking about Richmond in 2019, they played 13 home and away games at the MCG. Now, as I said, I'm not critical of Richmond for that, and I understand the reasons behind it, but anyone, any unbiased person could have to argue that that is a significant advantage, playing 13 games where the grand final is played. Port Adelaide may play one. On, on where the finals are played. So, as I said, it's not a criticism of Richmond. It's it's nothing against them. It is a criticism of the AFL for continuing to look after them in the biggest way that they possibly can, and that's the scheduling of it. Now, I'm, I'm happy to argue with it, mate, but they had 13 games at the MCG. So, talk about mathematics. Work that one out for me. Ryan, no, that was Ryan. Let's go to Mark, who wants to speak about Carlton. Hi, Mark. Hey, go, mate. Good. That's good, mate. Um, I just, yeah, going back onto your comments about David Seagrass, I'm a little bit disappointed uh, with him because I feel like through the first four rounds, like, we could easily be undefeated. And I'm not just saying that, but it's our third quarter against Richmond and Collingwood that we absolutely dominated those third quarters, but we just couldn't score and we just turned the ball over. But mm. with intent and effort all them, we could have easily walked away with those games. So... To think that we could be, you know, undefeated like those top teams and then to come out against Port Adelaide, which we definitely could win, to say we might not get the results, pretty disappointing, I agree with you. Yeah, I tipped Carlton. Uh, I think they'll upset Port Adelaide, but uh, Mamie did question when I when I did hear David Teague's, giving them a little bit of an out. Blues fans have you say on that at 7 minutes to 10. Nathan's on the line. He wants to speak about the Carlton Footy Club. Hi, Nath. Hey, mate. How are you? Good. Just with the whole thing, I reckon it's more so the club, not just David Teague. Like, there's been no coaching changes there in, I reckon, four or five years. And for a club that's been at the bottom of the ladder for that long, like, how is that? How can they do that? And how do they not have changes? Or how did they not bring in coaches to help Teague, knowing that he's a new coach? Mm. It's not a bad observation you make. There was a few that uh, lost their places last year, as a lot of clubs did. But significant coaching changes, Blues fans, is that a criticism of yours and the lack of changes? As Nathan is saying, you can have your say on that. Uh, it's been a very busy first hour. We'll get to Tony, Matt, Steve, Yanni and Cameron on the other side of the 10 o'clock news. On the temper text, 0433 98 11 16. Richmond fans, no matter how their team is, are still the biggest bunch of sooks in the comp. Gee whiz, enjoy your success. It may be over soon. I'm not sure I'm not sure who said that. Um, and Shyla Hill taking a pick number eight to the Chicago Sky in the WNBA draft. It's got to be daughter of. Congratulations to Shyla. Great to see the Hill name continuing to dominate at international basketball level. Big show coming up through until 12 o'clock. Stick around. On SEN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. Yes, good morning to you if you're just tuning in to us. It's three minutes past 
10 o'clock. It's 27 minutes to 10 if you're with us on 1629 in Adelaide. It was a busy first hour, dominated by your calls on the back of a pretty insipid performance from the Saints last night. And you can continue to have your say right throughout the morning on 1300 736 736. But it's exciting that the Olympics is around the corner. And during the week, I think with about 100 days to go, Channel 7 released the names that will be heading up their commentary. Channel 7, Hammer, thanks for your time. G'day, Kane. Uh, nice to hear you. I think one error, headlined by Bruce McAvaney, and we all just feeling <laughs> around Macca. Well, that that is true uh, because he's dominated for a long period of time. But um, it, it's getting real, Hamish, and it's, it's getting a little bit closer. Last year, I know you were reasonably confident that it was going to happen right up until, you know, the last minute. Are we are you really confident that things will go ahead as, as planned now? I'm not confident. I, I, I sort of think I'm probably more hopeful than confident. I was very sceptical last year that things could go ahead. I don't know that that much has changed other than people are dealing with it slightly differently. Last year it was also new and people were not prepared to go and host the Masters or, you know, um, those living in uh, Japan don't want it to happen, but the IOC is saying we will find a way to make it one of the greatest games ever. So I sort of believe what I'm reading in terms of what the IOC and the organising committee in Tokyo are saying, and as a result, we're less than 100 days to go. And if you... Uh, are an Olympic fan, I think that Tokyo will probably produce you know, their second games and probably one of the most extraordinary ever and maybe one the world needs right now. Yeah, I think that I think that is spot on. I'm so hopeful as well that it goes on. Um, you grow up as a kid getting up in the middle of the night watching the Olympics and some of your, your best sporting memories are from our Aussie heroes dominating there. It's not going to be normal though, is it, Hamish? No cheering, you know, athletes flying in and flying straight out after their event and, and not being able to have it and share it with their families is going to be a bit of a blow for those that have waited, you know, maybe once in their life to make this happen. No, I think you're right. I think, you know, there's going to be, you know, a need for a test pre. You've got a test negative. The no cheering thing is odd just because... Now, that's a cultural thing. There'll be no families flying in to see their kids that have trained and dreamt all their life for that moment. But at the end of it, like there was last year with Richmond, at the end of it, there's a gold medal or a silver medal or a bronze or an opportunity to represent your country in Olympics. And mm. with all of those idiosyncrasies, I think it will still be as important as ever to go and perform. And when you think about the Aussies that are going to be there, there'll be some sort of names we really know and you know, Aussies in the pool and on the athletics track and world champions and number ones. I mean, we've got Ash Barty trying to win a gold medal in the tennis and Sally Fitzgibbon and Steph Gilmore and Julian Wilson and stuff in the surfing and Matt Horton trying to win again and Kyle Chalmers trying to win again and Kate and Bronte Campbell going again. All these names, I just don't think it will matter when it comes to fight night. You know, there's going to be the Opals trying to challenge the US for gold and the Boomers trying to break their hoodoo and... I just think there'll be so many storylines. And then, as you know better than anyone, sport will throw up storylines you never saw coming, mm. whether that's Eric the Eel. I mean, I just can't believe when I watch him in the pool all that he did you know, in Sydney when he really couldn't swim at all. Or in 92, Perkins was expected to win. In 96, Kowalski was. 
And from lane eight, Perkins produces one of the more remarkable performances we've ever seen. And Dennis Cometti at exactly the right time hits a high point in his career and produces one of the greatest calls for one of the greatest swims. And Susie O'Neill, um, you know, the heart of the line in the heart of Dixie. And then I grew up, you spoke about getting up and watching the Olympics. In 1984, I was at Mount Pleasant Primary, population 260 for the town, 38 in the school. <laughs> and we all did a project on the LA Olympics. And I just fell in love with the whole principle and um, theory of the Olympics then. And Dean Lucan, in 1984, when I was nine, won a gold medal. Now, he was from South Australia, like you mm. and I were. You are, and I was, and I still feel like I'm a South Australian. And I thought, wow, if a tuna fisherman from Port Lincoln can get to the top of the sporting world and stand on top of Sports Everest, then maybe it's for everyone. And I just have fallen in love with the Olympics ever since. You know, and this time there'll be new sports and old sports and... Yeah, you and I will be glued to it. Absolutely, we will be glued. Um, what, what about the way that networks have adapted? Um, not sure 12, 18 months ago you could have foreseen how quickly um, the likes of Channel 7 can adapt from you know, having virtual pitches in studios 800 kilometres away from where a test match has been played. This presents a different challenge for obvious reasons. What are the logistics of how you will cover the Olympics? To a test ground and a platform. I mean, tonight is not, you know, uh, too dissimilar to what will be happening. I'm going to be in Melbourne tonight, and so will the callers. Bruce will call the athletics from Melbourne. You know, there's, there's just mm. just the new world order. And, you know, we've got very used to calling the football remotely, hosting sports remotely, the Brownlow medal. I mean, it would have been hard to imagine that the Brownlow medal 18 months ago would have been, you know, held and staged from a warehouse in South Melbourne, five, I think, live sites around Australia crossing to athletes. And I think when you watched it back, it all felt very normal. And I don't think things are going to really go back to necessarily how they were. Travel is going to become less frequent. I think you are going to be less likely to jump on a plane and go to Sydney for a meeting. Mm. And now it's a Zoom's more than acceptable. And seemingly now... So it's broadcasting in a different way. But the guys and girls that thought quickly and produced all these different scenarios did an extraordinary job. I just can't imagine that. Look, peak 2020 for me, I think, was walking into South Melbourne. Geelong were hosting Brisbane in Sydney. And my co-caller was Bruce in Adelaide. <laughs> okay, this is different. But it all just seemed to work. You know, I mean, you do your show. I assume you do all of your shows from Adelaide, but I don't know that, and that's how well it comes across. It's just sort of, it's just amazing how the tech can work, and everyone's used to not necessarily listening to the bloke at the ground anymore. Yeah, we've all adapted extremely well. Um, yeah, it's a fascinating insight into how it all works. What about the preparation, Hammer? Like, how much goes into it? What, what, how could you possibly be across everything? Can you give us a small insight into how you prepare for an event like this? Well, it's terrifying for starters. I won't pretend that it's not. It's like mm. doing an exam every night in front of Australia and everyone's expecting you to pass. But I didn't do very well at university or school. I needed a lot of help. And you need a lot of help with the Olympics. But when you contemplate the numbers, you know, it, it is, as you say, impossible to get everything right. There's 339 events, 33 sports across 50 disciplines. 
and you know there's 10,000 athletes and you can't possibly unless you're Bruce know all of the athletes like you should and you're doing a lot of scrambling because there'll be a story pop up that you didn't see and so suddenly you're going where is this Bulgarian weightlifter come from and how do we not know that he was going to do this and can you believe his backstory so there's a bit of that but there's also the new sports I mean I didn't know anything at all about sport climbing I didn't know that the format was three disciplines I didn't know there was speed climbing or bouldering and lead climbing I didn't know how they worked I don't know how the skateboard is scored you know so all of that is a completely new experience for me and you sort of spend a lot of time trying to get there and my role is to try and help those that necessarily uh, don't necessarily know no more and where I don't know ask a question so we can all understand and I think everyone realizes that you're not you're not the you're not the encyclopedia you're sort of just a bit of a traffic controller and as host that's sort of my role at nights is okay this is where we're going these are the people you should look out for and be aware of this this and this and then the expert callers take over yeah, we had Hamish McLaughlin from Channel 7 on just chatting about how seamlessly the technology has been working for virtual broadcast and about a minute later we drop out. So apologies to you, Hammer. Thank you so much for waiting, mate. I appreciate it. No, no, it's funny how things work, isn't it? Now I'm terrified about Japan and doing an interview after somebody's won a gold and it just goes blank for me for three or four <laughs> minutes and I'm just there in front of Australia talking to myself. So I appreciate that. Before we let you go, mate, well, what's the thing you... The I think, well, you know, Katie Ledecky, I think, is one of the greatest swimmers we've ever seen. And Ariana Titmus will take her on in the pool. Simone Bowles, arguably the best gymnast we've ever seen. But what I'd love to see, and I think you know this, I'm a sort of a Roger Federer um, fan. He's going to be 40 in August. Mm. And he's won an Olympic gold with Stan in the doubles. I just would love to see him win the singles. I know it's a big ask, but... Imagine that, Federer, would be a pretty big way to go out. He was, um, you know, beaten for gold by Andy Murray in London in 2012. So I'd love to see that. I'd love to see the Aussies, you know, bring home sort of more than their fair share of gold. But um, hopefully it all goes ahead, and I think it will, and hopefully it's as much fun as all the other games we've got to enjoy. And thanks for having me on, man. I uh, appreciate it, Hamish. Thank you so much for your time. I uh, look forward to seeing you live and free on Channel 7 for the game, West Coast and Collingwood as well tonight. appreciate your time. Bruce McEvaney is for a couple of AFLW teams preparing for a massive game tomorrow at Adelaide Oval, probably in front of about thirty to 35,000 fans. And one lady who knows this action better than most is our next guest, Premiership coach from the Adelaide Football Club, now Hawthorne's VFLW coach, Beck Goddard, joins us. Beck, thank you so much for your time. Morning, Kane. In, a, in another grand final, I'm really excited. I've spoken to a few of the girls this week and got to catch up with Doc Clark as well. And, um, yeah, they're ready to go. What are your emotions with it? I mean, I'm, I'm not sure how it all ended. There was a little bit of controversy about it. I was I was surprised with the way that it did end after the success that you've had. A, a couple of years on, how, how are you feeling? Well, I'm I'm really happy um, to have my role at Hawthorne and be back in footy um, and being able to, you know, contribute and, you know, support some uh, great women coaches coming through at Hawthorne. That's that's sort of where I'm at with it. But also, I guess, from a, when I look at the players, you know, that I still um, am close with at Adelaide, I'm really proud of the environment that they um, continue to build and that, you know, that winning, that, that just that ruthless 
ruthless mindset to to keep winning and encouraging others around them to have that same mindset to win and um, it's just gone from strength to strength with with Doc Clark coaching. I had a chat to Mariana Rachich this morning on uh, Brecky Radio over, over here in, in Adelaide and she said, you know, whilst Chelsea Randall has been so strong publicly and the message has been so important that she's been spreading with the concussion and the 12-day layoff, she, she did have a moment this week where she went out into the field in the middle of the ground and, and sort of let her emotions spill over. You know Chelsea pretty well, unbelievable ambassador for the sport and such an inspirational skipper. Have you reached out to Chelsea this week and how do you think she will be feeling when the team's run out tomorrow? Yeah, we spoke yesterday. Um, we were able to have a good catch-up where she's, where she's at and she wouldn't be human if she, mm. she didn't have um, a little bit of disappointment um, deep inside, but she's a very, very good leader and we know that. We've seen that publicly about her and that's her, her just do that little, little bit more and I think um, that's what she'll be able to do this weekend and that's what she's done over her, her five seasons at Adelaide now is being able to, yeah, the first couple of seasons just performed out of her skin and still performs to a really high, very elite standard of women's football. Um, but what she's also been able to do is delegate a bit more and encourage everybody else to do a little bit more and, and I think the Crows will, will do that tomorrow. Who do you like, Beck? Uh, Brisbane are a solid side as well, obviously, because they wouldn't mm. be where they are if they weren't. Uh, um, Adelaide playing at home in front of a huge crowd, d- does that give them a slight edge? Oh, it has to. It has yeah. to give them a slight edge. And I, I've heard um, anecdotally around the traps in Melbourne that um, the, the Demons, when they were over at Adelaide over last weekend, were, were really quite intimidated and surprised at the noise of the crowd. Uh, so that's going to be a, a little added weapon for the Crows tomorrow. Hopefully, you know, the place place really fills up and gets behind, you know, women's sport over there. But, um, you know, Adelaide is so even across the ground uh, now. There's, there's lots of people that do their one percenters, but they're just really consistent down that spine. Um, and I think Brisbane are going to have a, a hell of a job trying to, sh- to shut down everyone. Even if you put all of your, ten- your attention into Phillips, then, you know, Marinoff mm. and Hatchard are going to have a day. If you try and chop off Hatchard, then, you know, Noffy's going to have a huge day. And then you've got all of the, the goal kickers, so many goal kickers at the Crows that are going to be an absolute handful for Brisbane's defence. Um, to be able to go to the next level for our AFLW players and start to negotiate a bit more pay for the athletes mm. and mm. Um, move closer steps towards full-time and, and getting money uh, for, for the choices they're making in their life to be successful and, and be pioneers in this sport, uh, then we need to have the last four teams in the competition. And the sooner that happens, then the sooner those other conversations can start to be had because there's currently four clubs... CEOs, male players, um, sponsors within within those football clubs that actually can't enter those discussions and don't have that buy-in uh, to be able to start even and looking at what a, a new CBA might be like and all of those kinds of things. So for me, until we have that equal investment and almost over-investment came because mm. women have been undervalued for so long, um, we can't really have any discussion with meaning about how much AFLW players should be paid, what that revenue looks like and all the TV viewers viewership should be and uh, I think it's really important that girls and women aren't valued any less just because of their gender so the next step in that bigger vision yes for Hawthorne but also for Essendon and for Port Adelaide and for Sydney is to get AFLW sides in as, as quickly as they can.
How about at the lower level where you are right now, the, the skill development, the physicality, um, the young players coming through? Look, I, just It was amazing. That I just went to under-12s footy with my son, and now we have an under-12 Brighton Bombers team in Adelaide. Like it's just, It was a, a big moment and spoke to you know, when you interview an AFLW player and, and you asked him, do you understand the, the role that you're playing in this at the lower levels? Are you seeing that now? come through and the standards significantly improving at the lower levels as well as the top level? Oh, 100%. Uh, I, I can't believe how the standard is improving. I'm like very lucky at Hawthorne that we get access um, on off weekends to the Eastern Rangers NAB League players. Uh, and that standard of football that those, those girls are bringing into our club is there's nothing that you know we would have seen 10 years ago, five years ago mm-hmm. even. Um, and I think there's a bit of rhetoric, a bit of talk around, um, oh, the talent pool doesn't go deep enough. Um, and I, I just really think that that's not an excuse. I think there are players out there that aren't playing on AFLW list that should be. I think expansion will encourage AFL clubs to look really closely at who they've got in those recruitment roles, their list manager roles, their coaching roles, their development roles in the women's space. And it's going to encourage healthy competition. I don't think the AFLW is going to go backwards in its quality. At worst, it might stay the same until that expansion piece is done. But then look at what happened even in, in the COVID season. You've seen these athletes come back in an unbelievable ripping condition and the speed of the game is, is huge. So it makes sense to expand because at that lower level... And before we let you go, you're tipping Adelaide? I am. I'm, I'm tipping Adelaide. I think I think I, saw, I reckon by about 10 points. But... Okay. Um, It'll be pretty ferocious. You know, you know what finals are like. Uh, grand final, just to, as soon as that ball goes up, it's, it's going to be a huge swarm on that footy. Uh, but I think Crows will be first at it, first to that contest and, and really well spread around the ground. I bet you're an amazing ambassador for your sport and you have been for a long time. We're starting to see um, the recognition that, that you deserve and I can't wait for the day that you, you've got your own AFLW team. Won't be too far away. Keep up the good fight. Appreciate your time this morning. Thanks for having me, Kane. That it is, 22 minutes to 11 o'clock, one 736 736 And for a mattress like no other, send us a text on 0433-981116. Temper Mattresses. Cameron is in Heidelberg. He joins us. Hi, Cam. Hi, mate. Um, I've just got a, I've got a couple questions for you. Um, I, one, I actually I completely agree with you, the David T comments. Um, uh, I, I, as a football player myself, I, I would not like to hear that message coming from my coach if I'm running out to play on a Saturday afternoon for the Lowell Plenty Football Club. Um, and so I just want your thoughts on uh, Levi Casbolt and uh, uh, Paddy Dale um, so far in the season, because for me they've been pretty disappointing. Um, yeah, well, potentially well, who you know, well, you know what you're going to get from Levi, don't you? And he's... He's a stopgap at the moment until some reinforcements come back and we'll wait and see what happens with selection. It's really annoying that um, selection's not Thursday night. I didn't think it would be a major issue, but it kind of is when you're asking questions like this. And does McGovern play? Does Casbolt play? What happens when reinforcements like DeConning and hopefully Kerno come back? Then I think we know he probably won't be in the side. So you, you know what you're going to get. He plays a role. Um... He is scrappy, but he's a bigger body that you need. 
Paddy Dow, I just, I just haven't seen enough from him, unfortunately, and time is starting to run out. Uh, no shortage of opportunities. that They have to give him those and have to continue to persist with him because of the investment in him. But right now, uh, not making the most of that and, and questions will emerge whether he has a long-term future with his size and, and his ability through the midfield of an AFL club. I hope... I hope we're wrong there, but um, time is, is sort of starting to run out a little bit and, and those questions will continue to emerge. Cameron, thanks for your call. Port Adelaide taking on Carlton at the MCG tomorrow from 7.25. Let's catch up, though, with the Melbourne Rebels because the Melbourne Rebels are back. Baden Stevenson is their CEO. He joins us. Baden, thank you for joining us. No problems, Kane. Good morning. And an important message for your fans about this Sunday's game. It's the club rugby game. It's a, a family-friendly time of 2 o'clock on Sunday. You're taking the Brumbies at Amy Park, and there's a pretty significant offer for, for, for you and your fans. Oh, most definitely, yeah. No, we're, we're trying to really engage with the local community, and we've got a sort of a, a 50% rebate uh, on, on all ticket prices sold. Um, 50% of that price of that ticket price will go back to the clubs and schools um, to invest back into their programs. So we, we feel it's a really good way that uh, uh, that gives a little bit back and, and shows that we do care about our community. Yeah, just repeating that offer. For every ticket purchased to the game, using the password of your local club, 50% of the revenue will go directly to that club. So the Melbourne Rebels are giving back. Hey, the uh, Trans-Tasman bubble is open. We can travel to New Zealand now. What has that done for the, the competition as a whole? Yeah, I looked at a lot. Uh, through COVID, uh, there was there was no international games, and uh, yeah, I mean the New Zealand teams are the, probably the best teams in the world, and and to be able to host the Blues and the Crusaders, the the top two teams in their competition here at Amy Park, will be huge. And traditionally, yeah, the uh, our our best drawing crowds have, have always been against the New Zealand team. So yeah, we're super excited to to host them and play them and uh, and compete with them. Coming off a uh, heartbreaking loss as well last Friday night against the Force, you went down by a point. Um, how has that been there? Yeah, it's been a tough old week. Uh, that's that's the third game um, out of out of six that we've come down to the last play, and, and unfortunately for us, we've lost all three. But uh, when we when we look in the mirror, um, yeah, we, we don't want to be the team that's saying shoulda, coulda, woulda, or, or but um, ultimately we weren't good enough to win uh, to close out at, um, any of those games, and yeah, we're we're uh, bitterly disappointed with uh, last Friday's result. So yeah, it's been a week of reflection. There's um, yeah, I, I think the guys are. Um, getting a win on Sunday and making sure that we progress into the finals. Yeah, against a pretty good opposition as well. The Brumbies are going nicely. They've won five of their seven games, second on the table. So a pretty strong challenge for you on Sunday. Yeah, it is. Yeah, no, definitely. We, uh, interestingly enough, we've, we've actually had, a, out of all the Australian teams, our record in over the last five years has, has, uh, has been really good against the Brumbies, better than anyone else. So, yeah, look, we, ultimately this week's all about ourselves, um, you yeah, know, focusing on, you know, on our game, on our attitude, on, on, you know, on our intent. And, you know, that's, that's been the focus. So, um, yeah, clearly we just, uh, we, we know what we're capable of and, and I think we're confident if we play to our potential and play well that we can beat them. Baden, thanks for your time, mate. Good luck for the rest of the season. Oh, good on you, Kane. Thanks very much for your support. Cheers. Baden Stevenson, Melbourne Rebels CEO, Melbourne Rebels versus the Brumbies this Sunday afternoon. Tickets are available at Ticket Tech, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. If you want to have your say on any sporting topic, I mean, it's been dominated by St Kilda. Clearly, have had a few 
disgruntled and grumpy Richmond fans. I don't know why, but they, they seem to come out whenever you mention their draw. And we've spoken a little bit about Carlton, but if we've neglected your team this morning and if you want to have your say about any topic, give us a call and let us know like Michael has done. Uh, you want to speak about the footy last night, Michael? What do you think? Yeah, I do, but I mentioned to the bloke that just to touch on your comments about um, Richmond being looked after in the draw now, look, mate, I'm not grumpy. I'm actually quite happy, you know, when you've won three out of the last four flags, you know, how could you not be? But just probably when you get Richmond people come out of the woodwork when you always talk about the draw came the way that you do, like Richmond's got some form of advantage. Because the reality is not, not how you portray it. And I'll just be really quick to clarify because I really want to talk about Richmond and where I actually think the top four from last year really is place for this year. Um, just a quick, just to throw it out to you. Um, since 1997, we've played Port Adelaide 33 times. We've only played Port Adelaide at the MCG six times. In, in all that period, we've played them three times in Marvel and one times in Cairns. Outside of that, we've played Port 23 times. Why is Port Adelaide involved in Richmond sleeping in their own beds 17 out of 22 weeks? Why, why, are we, why is Port Adelaide an issue in this? I'm not, I'm not understanding. All right, just... Just to give you some I never, I never mentioned Port Adelaide. I never mentioned yep. any of it. You've brought it up. I'm just saying that the fact that Richmond get to sleep in their own bed 16, 17 weeks of the year, they play the majority of their games where the grand final is played and won, is an advantage. Would you agree? Um, well, all sides get to sleep in their own bed, Kane. I don't know. No, I don't know. If people are sleeping in tents if they play interstate. I only brought Port out, Port up, just to show you that you can pick and choose stats to paint an argument. That's the only reason why I brought them up. So I'm, 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 I'm saying facts. I'm not picking and choosing anything. I'm just you, saying well, that's the way that it is. Compare compare so West Coast and Fremantle to yep. their travel and where they play, and you cannot tell me whose draw would you rather. Uh, and I know that there's nothing you can do about it, and I've said that repeatedly. And once again, it's not a criticism of Richmond. I'm just saying, whose draw would you rather, West Coast or Richmond's? That's an argument being interstate sides, mate. I can't change that. Richmond plays at the MCG. We're a big club. We can't change that. Um, crying about it is just, it, it's its a fool's argument. We can't change that. And it's all other Melbourne sides, mate, um, get Which to play is, home we, games. Well, they don't get that many at the MCG, but that's, that's what I'm saying. I'm just, I'm just, once again, it's not a criticism of Richmond. We just had a caller, Karen, say why wouldn't the AFL have evenly distributed the day's break between the Anzac Eve game coming up next weekend Melbourne play on a Sunday, Richmond played on the Thursday. Why wouldn't you have evened that gap? And that's where the, the, the conversation stemmed from. And I defy anyone to argue with me that seven games in a row at the MCG in the lead-up to the finals isn't an advantage. But once again, it's taking nothing away from Richmond and the unbelievable team that they have been. I'll say that for the 13th time this morning. Appreciate your call. Let's go to Hugh because I'm sick of this topic. Do you want to speak about the footy tomorrow, Hugh? Uh Morning, Kane. Good show. Um, and I agree with that guy's previous comments on Levi, but the, the problem is he, he doesn't look fit. He hasn't looked fit all year. He's limping around. He's got a calf issue. And if, if we had other big blokes, he wouldn't be playing. So, But that's not what I ring for. Uh, the reason my call is trying to get tickets for tomorrow night. I've been to the I've been to the Carlton and killed a practice match. I've been to Carlton Collingwood. I've been to Carlton Fremantle. But the only tickets I'm being offered with my membership is zero dollars at the moment is level one behind the goals, which we won't send him. Uh, my daughter and I want to go, but she's saying to me, if that's all that's on offer, we'll be watching it from home. It just can't, they don't seem to have opened up level four. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on, but that's all you seem to be able to get is level one behind the goal, which is the worst spot to watch a game of footy from. So you usually watch from level four, mate, and 
now you just can't get back into where you are accustomed to watching the footy with your membership? I, I've got general admission membership. I'll, I'll sit wherever, but I just hate right. sitting on the goals. I'm, I'm happy to sit level one on the wing or level two, and even if it's level four, if, if it's you know, back a little bit, I don't mind, but it's the worst spot to watch a game of footy from, and that's one the only thing I've off. I've probably tried 40 times this week. I'm going to try again when I get into work today, but that's all I've been offered so far. Wonder if any other Carlton fans have had the same experience as Hugh has had. Let us know. Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Mick is in Kings Park. Um, ben Long, did he? What What do you think of his performance last night, Mick? Uh, everyone needs to know he's on, on the Collingwood supporter, right? Now I'm hoping for a good performance from them tonight. But one thing that I noticed with Ben Long last night, when he was getting the ball, he was pointing with his left hand. He was pointing with his hand to the left hand side. He was pointing out the way. Nine times out of ten, you know, when a player's going to point to one side, you know he's going to the other, right? And mm. he got picked off every single time. And his disposal took him out from full back. Now, not very good. It's yeah, balls drop short, going opposition players too often, and he's just getting red too easily. Yeah, he had a couple of bad blues last night as well. The the undisciplined one where he disposed of the ball. Then I can't remember the Richmond player, but he got him high and that came back and tried to do a little bit too much. Always tough to come on as that medical sub, though. Uh, we'll get to Rich and Greg on the other side of this. And don't forget to listen to This Is Your Sporting Life on Sunday from 10. Sam Edmund is going to talk to Melbourne champion and former Demons CEO, Harold Hassaman, thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals celebrating lives. It's 11 minutes to 11. On SEN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. Yeah, welcome in. If you're just joining us, you missed a busy couple of hours, including some pretty strong feedback, as you can imagine, on the talkback line, 1300 736 736, and a bit of, um, yeah, a bit of criticism over the St Kilda side's performance last night, and rightly so. There's a few Richmond fans up and about this morning, and we've also chatted a little bit about Carlton and David Teague's comments prior to their game tomorrow at the MCG. The VFL gets underway tonight. In fact, and our next guest is going to be coaching his first game as head coach of Werribee, and he joins us, good friend of the show, Michael Barlow. Mickey, thanks for your time. Morning, Kane. They've been getting into you this morning, haven't they? I haven't been able to catch uh, your show, <laughs> but um, I'll have to catch up on the podcast and see if you're, um, you're, you're getting unfairly treated as per usual. <laughs> I can hold my own, Michael, as you as you know. So <laughs> it's it's all fair. It's all it's all fine. Uh, makes for a, a decent uh, show. What about yourself? Um, who would have thought you've progressed this quickly into your coaching career? Head coach of Werribee, you're taking the reins after Choco uh, ventured off to Melbourne and fled the ship. How are you feeling and how's the preparations been? Thanks, been great. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of now it's getting very, very real for us. So we, we start tomorrow. We've got Collingwood at 2.30 um, at Avalon Airport. I'm just actually out at Werribee at the moment with the morning tea with all our sponsors, which... Um, in terms of what last year provided for, for the VFL was you know, essentially nothing, obviously, with, with COVID um, ravaging the season. But just to be out here with about 100 sponsors and understanding you know, their commitment and the excitement ahead, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool, mate. And in terms of Choco and um, transitioning into the coaching box after him, it's, uh, yeah, it's very exciting. And I couldn't have had a better 
better mentorship, I suppose, under, under Choco for, for 2019 in particular, whilst I was a playing assistant, and even for the phases and the advice that he gave me last year as I was, um, you know, heading out of the club and, and looking to coach a local club and play for the local club whilst he was still in charge. It's, uh, yeah, it's all happened really quickly, but, um, yeah, in terms of learning and learning a lot of what, what to do came, but as you know, there's probably 20 to 30% in terms of what Choco teaches that you probably can take with a grain of salt and, and leave it aside, but uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a tremendous leader and I'm uh, looking forward to somewhat doing his shoes. You sound like you're in a cellar out there at Werribee, Mickey. A bit bit, e- bit e- echoey this morning. It's, I don't know if they got good phone reception out there or what. Maybe if, if you're on speaker, we might get you to jump off speaker if that's okay because I want to get your thoughts on what sort of coach you will be, mate. Is it, uh, you know, what, how would you describe your style? No, not really. No, we're, we're, not we're struggling really. a little bit on. Two seconds. How's that? Might be, yeah, that's better. Yeah, you might have had us on there Bluetooth in the car or something. That's, that's loud and clear. Nah, what, what sort of coach are you going to be, mate? Had the AirPods in, mate. So you got ah, the AirPods. Okay. I've lost a Apologies, um, mate. I, I think it's a good question. Get asked, asked it a lot, but I'm probably still just um, you know working it out a little bit myself and, and just transitioning out of a, a playing role really quickly into into the head coach role. It's all happened really quickly, so I've adapted a lot of. Um, I suppose Choco's philosophies in terms of on the field and what we want to do with the ball, that we want to um, you know, provide a entertaining, high-scoring um, product, which mm. has, has been allowed now with the new the new rules as well um, in terms of moving the ball a bit more freely. But as you well know, I was also coached by another guy called Ross Lyon, who liked to, to put up the um, put up the brick wall a bit and, and defend and, and provide a pretty stingy team defence. So there's an element of both. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's the buzzword in coaching. You've got to build the relationships and um, you know be really relatable to your players. And, and at the moment, I suppose transitioning straight out of out of uh, well from AFL footy to VFL footy and playing with a lot of these guys, that's pretty easy. But the challenging parts will come you know as the season unroll, uh, unfolds and tougher decisions have to be made and, and whatnot. But um, yeah, so that's that's all ahead of me and something I'm looking forward to. What about uh, some of the recruits you've got? Uh, any names that we should be aware of? Looking perhaps for a second opportunity at AFL level or, or some notable names? Yeah, pretty lucky, Kane, in terms of uh, probably our first, first of all, our list retention um, from 2019 through the COVID year. We've kept a lot of our more experienced players that have been around a while. Our captain, Michael Sotomarco, um, JJ Lister, medalist from 2019, Tom Dribble uh, and Nick Coglin. They're kind of the mainstays of our group that have stuck around despite, um, you know, the, the salary cap hit and, and everything that's come with it. In terms of some um, AFL prospects and guys that we, we're pretty bullish about out here, a guy called Jack Henderson, who's played two seasons of VFL footy and, and never missed a game um, straight off, straight out of school footy in, in, in Geelong. Um, he's from Blighty up in the country, so good, good country guy that's played now 40 VFL games, team of the year last uh, 2019 as a forward uh, and we'll look to, to shift him more through the midfield and give him greater opportunity to expose himself to some recruiters. Um, and a good mate of yours, Matt Loby, we recruited him oh, in nice. for 2020, which, which didn't happen. Um, so he's, he's on board as a, as a playing assistant coach, uh, along with Wiley Buzzer. So we've got the big sorted. Got a lot of big boys that have come out and, um, and ready to rock and roll for 2021. But uh, yeah, that's complemented as well with a lot of the... The guys we've reta- retained, um, you know, since the season we didn't have last year. 
The new rules will help with that. How have you seen this anti-density stuff that's been so controversial? Yeah, oh, it's, to be honest, it's a bit frustrating from probably a VFL standalone point of view because we've been given the rules. And I spoke to Jared on his program a couple of weeks ago when the when the adjustment did come. So I suppose for, like, for those listening that aren't fully aware of the rules, it's every boundary throw-in we've got to reset um, you know, two players into our into our forward defensive fifties. So mm-hmm. two pairs have to have to reset regardless of where that throw-in is. Um, initially, it was from a slow slow point as well, so we'd have to reset um, three pairs, and one of those pairs had to be in the goal square. But um, you know, there was some fairly outspoken AFL senior coaches that um, didn't really like the rule, and fair enough in terms of trying to, to coach a program for the AFL where they're playing to different rules at the VFL. But um, I suppose when the rules were initially put in, as VFL coaches, we were probably scratching our heads thinking um, there's a bit of a, a guinea pig aspect to it. Um, so we adjusted and, and got on with it and trained it and tried to find a point of difference in it uh, right up until the point that you know it's just been uh, pulled from under the rug in the last couple of weeks. And um, you know there's been some pretty uh, severe adjustments to those rules, which... Again, you know, it is what it is. We'll just get on with it and, and play the rules because it will make for a better product. I think it's, it's common sense has prevailed, but I suppose the timing of it um, and the time we'd put into it uh, was just a little bit frustrating. 22 teams this year, massive changes across the whole of the competition. Uh, am I right in saying that it's just the first two rounds that have been scheduled in? The rest of them are floating. Has, has that been a challenge for you to work out how your life looks post-round two? Probably uh, puts a few barriers up for my social life, Kane. Yeah. But at, at the moment, <laughs> so I don't think anyone's as busy as you. I don't know when you get get time to um, get time to put the feet up. But I'm a little bit similar at the moment. Um, yeah. I know I'm saddling up with you tomorrow night for AFL Nation after the, the Saturday afternoon game here at Werribee um, for Port and for Port and the Blues. So from my point of view, I'd like a little bit more certainty around uh, yeah. some structure beyond round three. But understanding it, it is in line. With, with 14 aligned clubs, we've got to be able to adjust and be flexible and agile, as we all, all um, understand the, the new buzzwords. So it is what it is. First two rounds, we're, we're understanding of, of where we play. We, have, we do have some idea as well. We can liaise with, um, especially the standalone clubs during the year and come towards some sort of agreement in advance um, as to when those games will be. But um, now it is what it is. We've got a, a pretty aspirational and uh, highly driven group that... The old Ross line isn't Kane. Anywhere, anytime, doesn't matter. We'll, we'll try and get the job done. You sound like a coach already. Come on. <laughs> well, I am a coach. Yeah, I, I know. I know. You're not even one game in and you're pulling out the, the cliches. <laughs> um, what about the, your observations of the AFL season so far? As you said, we'll be in the commentary box for AFL Nation tomorrow. Looking forward to that. Uh, any surprises or anything that's shocked you or stuck out so far? Um, oh, I've just loved, I think, along with, so many others, the, the emergence of sides like, like Melbourne, who mm. I was um, a, a little bit pessimistic on going into the season, and, and they have really just adjusted or shifted some of their style, but it, it, a lot has been made of it, and I've, I've joked around a fair bit um, with the person himself and, and some people that know him quite well, like yourself. Mark Williams' involvement at Melbourne, and you know how he coaches, and he coaches the basics, and that was a real Achilles heel, I think, of Melbourne for some time in terms of kicking the football and, and being composed under pressure. and We know how wacky and crazy a guy like Choco is, but he, he's just so invested in teaching the basics, the kicking, the ground ball, the handball, the marking, 
but that um, you know it's it's not a surprise at all that that they've adapted to 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 where they are at the moment from where they were and a team like Sydney similarly in terms of just playing those young guys and bringing in youth and exuberance um, as well as mixing that with the experience of the Rampies and the Kennedys and the Parkers like who would have seen that coming two teams at four and zero that um, are bringing two different elements um, but it just shows why our game is so great and as a supporter you could sit back across the summer and, and have hope as Adelaide fans have um, found and Sydney fans and Melbourne fans have been the major beneficiaries. Well, mate, I hope I'm seeing you tomorrow night in a happy mood. Good luck with your first game <laughs> in charge against Collingwood and, and I'll see you tomorrow. Looking forward to it, Kane. Yeah, so go go the Tigers, 2.30 Avalon Airport Oval against the Pies. Get down there. Support uh, the man who is the man now of the Werribee Tigers up against Collingwood tomorrow. And you'll hear him as a part of the AFL Nation commentary to the show and always generous with his time. Melbourne and Sydney lawyer from Thomas Gear. And he joins us. Justin, thanks so much for your time again. No worries, Kane. Thompson Gear, close, but uh, but uh, not quite there. Sorry, mate. Apologies. No, to, you're right. No drama. To, to you for that one. Um <laughs> What about Nick Revolt's comments? Uh, is it realistic what he's saying to get an injunction to allow a player that's concussed, say, in the prelim final to be able to play on grand final day? Um, it's not a silly thing, is it? If, if the circumstances was that it was uh, grand final week, September, uh, and... Um, you had, you know, a key player, a um, little bit like back in the day when Dunkley was out for the Swans. That, that, that clubs will certainly go and get advice. I'd almost guarantee that a club in that situation would go and get advice. The real question is, can they get an injunction? And I think the short answer is no. Mm. Um, you you can never stop someone having a crack and I could imagine I could very much imagine depending on how important the player is and whether the coach thinks the you know an action in court would be a distraction etc cetera, etc cetera, I could very much imagine someone having a crack at it um, but uh, the, the law would really say that you can't get an injunction and I think I think the reason for that is because um, we all appreciate that, um, you know, people say, oh, that's a restraint of trade. You're stopping that player from earning their, their living both that weekend and potentially with, you know, um, endorsements, et cetera, if they win and maybe win a Norm Smith. So it's a, it's a, it is a big restraint of trade. And there's no doubt that these rules, like the draft rules, are a, are a, tra- a restraint of trade. And in theory, that means... You, you should, the, the AFL shouldn't be able to do it. But we all understand that for the AFL competition to work, we need rules like this. We need the draft system. We need the salary cap. We need the concussion rules for health and safety reasons. And the law says, even though it's a restraint of trade, that doesn't make it unlawful. It's got to be a reasonable restraint of trade. If you're a, I mean, and, and in the ordinary world, if you're a, if you're a paver and you're mm. paving, you know, um, the, something around someone's um, uh, pool uh, in their backyard, and uh, and you you put in place things that make sure you're not going to fall, someone's not going to fall in the pool and, and drown, and everyone realises that. 
um, the, the the boss can't just say, um, you know, to the uh, to his uh, um, his lackey, I don't care if that's unsafe. I want you to get in there and pave that, do, do that paving. It's, like it's it's a it's reasonable to restrain that boss from doing it, and that's really all the AFL are doing. They're they're protecting the players by putting into place uh, a reasonable restraint of trade. I'm pretty sure that's how the law would look at it. Yeah. So you you don't think it'll stop someone having a crack, but you think highly unlikely that'd be unsuccessful. Yeah, I think, I, yeah. can I tell you, if it was AFL Grand Final Week, I, I 100% guarantee someone will get some advice. Um, whether they'd actually take it, I'm not sure that they would, actually, because I'd like to think that, you know, they go along and say the lawyer and the lawyer says, look, I think you'll lose this, and they don't take, they don't take it on. But, but you, couldn't, you couldn't rule it out. I wouldn't be surprised if someone had a crack, but I think they would lose. Um, I mean, it, the whole concussion, we saw the, uh, I think Mick Warner reported in the, AF, in the um, Herald Sun, uh, you know, this, this stat about 80% of um, uh, players have got concussion um, uh, or some sort of symptoms of it. Uh, you know, that's a really scary um, stat. Uh, I know my, uh, my good mate, uh, Campbell Brown, uh, some might say he suffers from a bit of concussion, but he, he says, look, you know, I, I, I've played since, you know, whatever it is, the age of, uh, the age of 10. Um, and, uh, you know, 25 years, he'd, he'd never had a, cu- a concussion. He says it's all about proper technique. So, there's a real question about whether, and this, I guess, comes back to the injunction point, is the rule a reasonable rule? I don't think anyone, no, no one would even suggest for a moment that if some guy doesn't know what planet he's on, that you should you know, send him out there, or in the case of AFLW, you should send Chelsea Randall back out there if she's just been concussed 10 minutes earlier. Um, no, one's, no one would think about that, and you could, certainly couldn't get an injunction for that. But is 12 days too much? I guess, I guess there could be an argument about the reasonableness of that rule. It used to be six days, I think. They've increased mm. it to, to 12. And, you know, that, that, that would be a whole medical argument, and you might get the likes of a Campbell Brown coming in to give evidence in court. That would be interesting um, uh, to say, you know, it's, you just don't need it because what you need is, is, uh, is proper, proper training of people so they better, better protect themselves. So it's an interesting debate about whether the, the rule is, is, is a reasonable restraint or not, and that's what it would turn on in court. Thank you, mate, for the update and your perspective on it because you know better than, than most. So I appreciate your, your information around this. Before we let you go, how's the running going? Oh, st- struggling, struggling. I'm, uh, I've, I've, I've been to, got back into my paddling and uh, playing a heap of tennis. I, I realised uh, I'm, not, I'm not that much, uh, not that good at tennis, but I enjoyed a bit more than pounding the paving, pavement. Yeah. I, uh, and I couldn't, I couldn't even keep up with any. I, I don't reckon I could keep up with you for 500 metres, Kane, at your pace. I see you do on uh, Strava. Bit more longevity in tennis than running. Hey, mate, uh, thanks for your time. No doubt we'll catch up with you throughout the year. We appreciate it. Thanks, Kate. Cheers. Justin Quill is a very successful Melbourne and Sydney lawyer saying that, you know. That it is. It's all. 100 AFL collector cards from select footy stars for serious collectors, big and small. And also a family mini golf pass for two adults and up to three kids at Albert Park Mini Golf. Uh, check out the epic, specifically designed 18-hole mini golf course. AFLW is the theme of the quiz this morning with the grand final tomorrow. Mick's going to kick us off. Hi, Mick. Yeah, g'day, mate. How you going? Who finished atop the 2021 ladder on percentage in the AFLW? Was it Kangaroos? It wasn't. 
Kangaroos. Mick, shaky start from you. Let's go to Chris. Hi, Chris. Hi, mate. Who finished on top of the 2021 ladder? Was it Adelaide? It was Adelaide. Would have been an obvious guess for mine, but well done to you. What venue is the grand final being played at tomorrow? Um, well, let's go Adelaide Oval. Hmm. Well done. Question number three. You might struggle with this one by the sounds of things, though. Who won the AFLW MVP, which was announced uh, this week? Uh, that, the one from Fremantle. Um, I don't know. Pavlich. <laughs> Matthew Pavlich won the AFLW MVP award. He's retired. And he plays in the AFL, not the AFLW. <laughs> but good on you. Got us through a couple of questions. Uh, let's go to KP in Donnybrook. Hi, KP. Chad Butler, how are you, mate? I'm good. Uh, I'm good, buddy. Who won the AFLW MVP, which was announced this week? Was it Brianna Davey, mate? It was. Superstar from the Collingwood Football Club. Well done, mate. Uh, what was the name of the player ruled out with concussion for the grand final? Um, uh, was that um, Three. Daisy Pierce? Wasn't Daisy Pierce? She's got a knee injury at the moment. Wasn't ruled out with concussion. Let's go to Geelong and speak to Jim. Hi, Jim. Good okay. Which player was ruled out of the grand final with concussion? Uh, is it Radcliffe? Wasn't Radcliffe? No, it wasn't. Uh, Jason is in Clyde. Hi, Jace. Okay, Kane, how are you going? Who's the uh, player that was ruled out of the grand final Chelsea with concussion? Chelsea Randall. It was Chelsea Randall, Adelaide captain. And finally, for the win, Jason, who coaches the Brisbane women's team? Uh, Craig Stasevich. Yes, the coach of the year in the AFLW. Critical performance from you, my friend. I'll put you back to the guru, Benny Lyon, 100 AFL collector cards from Select Footy and also a trip to Albert Park Mini Golf for you and the family. Um, and the segment that's been captivated, the radio world, of course, as we heard last week, is our next little bit. We've got to get to it because we've left it late in the show. Like, I wanted to do this off the top at 9 o'clock. Ben said, no, nah, no, nah, just push it back, push it back. So let's get to to this now before we leave you this morning. It's time to play Overs and Unders with Kane Corns for Temper, a mattress like no other. So our man Johnny, he's been away for a couple of weeks and we had uh, a few guest appearances on Over and Under. We had Gary Lyon last week, Julian DeStoop has helped out. I wonder who is the voice behind the microphone today. Let's find out with question number one. Here to roll her, McRae to Bonham Pally, runs to 55 and hammers it home. What a goal. Hi, Kane. They say never take a holiday in this job. I wasn't sure if I was going to be back. You had a couple of stars doing a pretty good job. Uh, Julian DeStoop, he did a pretty good job. And Gary Lyon, well, Gary wasn't too bad either. Out of contract, Western Bulldog skipper Marcus Bontempelli wants a new six-year deal. The dogs reportedly only wanted to give him five. Will the new deal land over or under five and a half years, Kane? Good to have you back, Johnny. The best in the business. Glad to hear your voice. Will he get the six-year deal he wants, Marcus Bontepelli? Yes, over 5.5, because when it comes down to it, we're going to haggle over a year for 
probably the second best player in the competition. There'll be another club that want to give him six. Bontempelli holds his ground. He gets the six-year deal he is after. Question number two. I suppose it's all part of the game these days. I mean, it's, that's his right as an uh, out-of-contract player. What we're seeing on field from him is a great indication of, of where his head's at. He's really engaged and committed, and, and that's all we can ask from him at the moment. Several rival clubs have started making their pitch for Essendon's Zach over or under Kane. Oh, under. I'm worried now. I'm worried now for Bombers fans. Um, unsigned star player, free agent, not signed by round five. Doesn't usually end well for the club that he's at currently. So don't worry about waiting till May. I'm starting to get worried now. That's under. Question number three. There's Norna. Has it tapped away from Hickey. Benici, who's trying hard all day, but the siren sounds. And Brisbane celebrate. They're into their third grand final. The road to the AFLW Premiership once again winds through the City of Churches to the Adelaide Oval next Saturday, right here. The Crows will chase an historic third title. Kane, last time Adelaide won the AFLW Premiership, there were 53,000 fans in attendance. There will be over or under 35,000 there for the decider on Saturday. Well, they can only get 40, so let's factor that in. Um... Will there be over or under 35? I think under. I think the crowd will land at about 27,000 at Adelaide Oval. There's community sports starting, amateur sport, kids sports starting. So there's a lot of competition for that Saturday slot. 20,000 tickets have already been sold. I think we landed about 27,000, which would be a pretty significant result. Question number four. He's tripped to the footy. Fighting to get out here. Perryman cut off Cole. Kick pass to the Ricochet the Mabinui. Right foot snap for a goal. From Big Nick Nat. Former Eagle Carl Langdon has said this week that Nick Natanui is virtually useless when he's away from the ruck contest. Nick Nat has only taken five marks this year. He'll clunk four tonight against Collingwood. Over or under? Amazing that Nick Natanui has taken five marks in four games. I mean, we, we love him and we understand what a weapon he is, particularly at the centre bounces, but he does have to do more around the ground and it's amazing that he doesn't. Will he take more than um, four marks tonight? Probably under because you go over the numbers, but I think he might take three. But I, I agree in part with Carl that he needs to do more around the ground for a man of his freakish athleticism. Let's finish on this. And Ipwood did as well. Back to Joey Den, who ran onto the oh, ball. Hello. It's a wide boot curler. Oh. Don't tell me! That is unbelievable! How did he kick that? Denneher sweating on the loose footy on the non-preferred right boot. He found the opening. Joe Danaher faces his former side Essendon on Saturday night. Pencil him in for four goals. Over or under, Kane? Going the over. I Danaher kicks a bag. Um, Danaher kicks five, so I reckon we're going to go the over there. He's kicked seven for the year. Joe has shown glimpses of his brilliance, but hasn't put a full four-quarter performance to bond in a big way against Essendon at home. They need a statement win, and I think they'll get it, and I think Joe may be the beneficiary of that. That was our over and under for today. Great to have Johnny back, the guru behind the microphone. If you agree or disagree with anything that we've just said, give us a call. There is time to take your calls through until 12 o'clock before Dwayne's World dominates behind the microphone after 12. one 736 736 
Um, and just a note coming through on the text machine for temper. Nick Natanui was All-Australian in 2020. He took 13 marks for the entire season. It's it's amazing that a player that tall who can jump as high as he can and has sat on people's heads before and taken hangers just, just does not mark the footy. It's it's remarkable. And a, a major weakness in his game. And, you know, and I think, Carl, what he's saying around the ground is, is partly right. He should be influencing games more than he is. But what a match-up tonight. We love one-on-one. The reigning All-Australian Ruckman in Nick Natanui and both play different styles. Have your say. We'll open up the lines for the last 10 or so minutes. Give us a call if you haven't had your opportunity to have your say. You can do so now. Yeah, let's finish the show the way that we started with your calls. Glenn has given us a buzz. He wants to speak about the game at the MCG tomorrow. It's a big one, Glenn. Welcome. G'day, Jono. How are you going? Good. That's good, mate. Okay, I'll, I'll just start by saying I like you, Kano, because you say a lot of uh, very controversial things that a lot of people won't say. So I'm going to give you the big tick there. But here comes the but, though. You've been less than complimentary about my mighty navies over the last few months. And uh, I think tomorrow we're going to come out and we're going to show the community that the navies are coming. We're going <laughs> to we're going to put Port Adelaide, your old team. We're going to we're going to do what we are starting for the next five years, which is going to be a dynasty. <laughs> your thoughts, so, Kano? Well, uh, y- you've got me more inspired than what the coach had me during the week this year. I think I've. And I've, I've actually tipped you to win like I have, I think, every game bar one this year. I think I've tipped the Blues to win. I would expect you to win. I would expect you to be coming. I've been waiting for a while. And the reason I haven't been complimentary of the Blues is because there's been nothing to be complimentary about. And I hope the tide starts to turn, perhaps not tomorrow night, but shortly. I think you will win. Um, Kieran is on the line. You want to speak about the Bombers? Hi, Kieran. Yeah, Kane, how you going, mate? Very well, thanks. Um, I don't know about you, but I've been—I wasn't really sure at the start of the year about the Bombers, like a lot of people, and been pleasantly surprised with the kids and how we've attacked the footy. So I'm optimistic about playing Brizzy and possibly causing an upset. What do you think? I think Brisbane will win. I think Brisbane will win comfortably, but uh, you know I'm a lot more comfortable clearly with Essendon than what I was two weeks ago. I thought it was going to be a really long year for them. So to dig in and to show the the fight that they've got, they're going to play another debutant this week. They've got uh, a good core of you know under 25s at the club, as highlighted by their best and fairest results last year. Nick Cox, I spoke about him last week, going to be a star. So yeah, I don't think the Bombers will play finals, but I think they're rebuilding on the run, which is what good teams do, like Sydney and what Fremantle are trying to do and and others. So, yeah, I'm comfortable with where they're at. Good luck tomorrow. I hope it goes well for you, Kieran. Paul is uh, with us. He wants to speak. Dylan Grimes, your thoughts on Dylan, Paul? Yeah, yeah g'day, Kane. Um, look, oh, last night's game, a minute, it was a minute 10. We just watched the footage and you see him go to the bench and he says he go forward. And he obviously got told to go back. And the whole four on the bench is Dusty, Coach uh, and Lynch and all that, just pissing themselves laughing. So he was obviously trying to sneak one late, but he got told to head back. Um, I don't know if you've seen the footage, but I thought it was bloody hilarious. I haven't, I haven't seen the footage. I did notice that, you know, how much fun the Richmond players were having out there. Castagna took a shot, was it half time, and he hit about the worst drop punt I've seen all year, and it hit the post, and they just came across, slapped him on the back, they had a laugh about it. There's a few, you know, I think James Brayshaw described it as Harlem Globetrotter stuff last night. They just look to be enjoying their footy, which is what you do when you win. And Richmond win 
a lot. I'll have to check that one out, Paul. Thanks for highlighting that for us. Uh, Dan wants to speak about... Well, we, we had a mention about Nat Nui v Grundy tonight, but you think Max Gorn's the best ruck in the game, buddy? I do, Kanos. I think it's time the football industry recognised that Max Gorn, there's daylight between Max Gorn and the next two best ruckmen in the game, Nick Nat and Grundy. Uh, Max has, averages 20 disposals, six marks, and he's now kicking a goal a game. Uh, four-time All-Australian. Uh, he's simply better than the other two. And I'd like, if you were going into a grand final tomorrow, you'd be taking Max every day of the week. I think I would. Yeah, I think right now in form I would. Yeah, absolutely. If, if you're picking those three right now in current form, Max is at the peak of his powers. And uh, building a nice... Um, oh, I just like the way he goes about it with his unique leadership style, but um, holds his teammates to account. And a uh, key reason why Melbourne are sitting exactly where they are sitting right now. Good call, Dan. Appreciate it. Uh, Luke's in Preston. Hi, Luke. Yeah, okay. How are you, mate? Very well, thank you. That's good. Look, mate, I just wanted to talk to you about the inconsistency in terms of the results this year. Like, I've got a feeling it's due to maybe the the lack of game time that there was last year. So teams are some teams are really struggling to to run out full games. But if you've had a look at the results, like you really can't really pick a dominant side yet. Obviously, the Bulldogs look fantastic. Um, they're probably the most consistent side I've seen, but. You know, Richmond got, got shown up against Sydney. St Kilda have had great performances and also have had shockers. Same with Carlton. Even Collingwood, like Carlton got done by Collingwood, but Collingwood haven't won a game since. And it's, yeah, I just wanted your thoughts on the inconsistency for the, the season. I think it speaks to uh, the mental side of the game. Like, if you think you're going well, you're going to get a pretty significant wake-up call and it's going to come quickly. Like, I'm sure St Kilda went in with a, a lot of confidence on the back of a good 40-minute stretch against West Coast a week before, and they thought, oh, we're, we're, we're a chance here. Then whack, brought back to life. Port Adelaide going really well. Beat North Melbourne, beat Essendon. Go to West Coast, get whacked. West Coast the same. Now going well, 33 points up, third quarter against St Kilda. This is going all right, we're, we're doing well. Bang, Richmond the same against Sydney. It just speaks to how even the competition is and how much of it is mental and in your preparation about know how desperate you are to perform and rock up and give all of yourself for 120 minutes every week. Now, we know that that's impossible to do, but the teams that do it more often physically and, and put that on the line will have the consistent results that we are seeing at the Western Bulldogs in Melbourne right now. Dwayne's world's just been dominating again. He's with us now. Dwayne, no big show coming up, no doubt. Massive show coming up. Uh, no doubt we'll talk a little bit about St Kilda, but there's uh, a lot about Richmond we need to talk about. Right now they're playing the kind of footy that uh, just makes you want to go to the footy and watch the team play. They're selfless running. We'll talk a bit about that. Shyla Hill's going to join us as well. Kano, yeah. so looking forward to uh, talking story. to Shyla. Yeah, she was taking pick eight in the NBA draft. I think the WNBA draft. I'm not sure that there's been a guard taken that high in the WNBA draft before. Um, old friend of mine, Shane Hill, he was in Geelong playing here for the Supercats when I came to town to play with the Cats as well. So I got to know Shane extremely well. Obviously, I work with Shane on the NBL coverage as well. Big moment for Shane, but uh, looking forward to having a chat to Shyla. Matt Rendell is going to join us as well. We'll talk a little bit about the uh, AFLW Grand Final. So heaps on the show, starting with Midday Madness. Good on you, mate. Give him a call, Midday Madness. If you call, you will get on. Charlie Hill's a great story as well, joining Dwayne. That's it for us. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. See you next Friday at 9 o'clock sharp.
Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.